podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Anfield Index Talking Tactics Podcast. I'm your host, Leroy Ma, and today we'll continue to analyze our rivals who are vying for the top four spot along with Liverpool, and in light of the frustrating but nonetheless entertaining draw against them, we'll be looking at Tottenham today and how they'll fare for the remainder of the season. We'll look a little bit into their tactics, a little bit into their play style, their setups. Alongside that, we'll talk about some of the missing pieces there after the January transfer window, and ultimately we'll try to integrate a little bit of Liverpool into the discussion as well. With that, I have Nathan Clark on with me, a good friend of mine since he was still known as TT Tactics on Twitter. Couldn't have asked for a better guest to talk about Tottenham and talking about their tactics and things like that. So Nate, it's been a while since we last spoke, but really, really good to have you on again. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Good to be on. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm good myself, you know, really, really frustrated from yesterday's draw against you guys, but nonetheless, yeah. if you take out all the emotions from it and all the controversies, you have to, you have to really agree that it was a really entertaining game from a, from a tactical point of view and, and a play style point of view. So maybe we can get into analyzing a little bit about Spurs in that regard. So the last time you were on with me, we discussed a little bit about Pochettino's pressing style and how it differs to clubs a little bit. So perhaps we could revisit that topic and see if anything has changed from last season. So I'll give you some free reign on this one. Maybe you'd like to elaborate a little bit about Pochettino's pressing style and things like that. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think it's, it's something that's changed since we last spoke about, but it's definitely something worth revisiting, and especially in the light of this game, because I think that the two different styles are very clear in, in that Liverpool's pressing style is about winning the ball high up the pitch so as to immediately be able to go on what is essentially a counter-attack an open goal that isn't dependent because the defenders are far away from it. And that's what we saw for the first goal. Um, and Tottenham's pressing style is, is less about uh, winning the ball high than it is winning the ball immediately and therefore getting a, a, a grip on the game and a control of the game through suffocating the opposition, which is what we saw sort of in the second half and onwards where, where Spurs got a grasp on the game. Yeah, and I think it was really interesting that you got the, the I guess the way that you guys uh position yourself on the pitch to try and suffocate space and and try to keep things really really compact. I think this goes back to I believe it was Johan Cruyff who said, you know, if if you ask me to to mark this small bit of space, I I'm I'm the best defender in the world. But if you want me to mark this whole garden, then I I I'm possibly the worst at it. The way that you guys sort of coordinate with one another, and I guess the the team pressing there is not really aggressive counter-pressing like what Jurgen uh, Klopp deploys. It's more like a pretty calculated, team-oriented pressing, in, in especially in midfield areas, which I really like. And that's where you suffocate a lot of space and that's where you get the ball back really fast. And that's where you sort of retain the ball and immediately begin to, to craft another attack from there. But maybe we would like to elaborate a little bit on, on maybe the different areas that you guys typically look to press. I know for Jurgen Klopp, I guess the best areas for us to press is in the final third of the pitch where defenders just want back the ball. They are passing it out around the back and that's where we we collapse on different teams on a bit of an ad hoc basis, you could say, without any real need for a pressing trigger apart from certain instances. And that's where we sort of crowd out and, and, and hurry down all the centre-backs to get the ball back. But for you guys, perhaps there are certain areas which you guys excel better in? Well, I mean, essentially, um, 
we like to press whatever the ball is because we want to force it to be played. We want it to be forced to play long. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's wherever it's been lost. Um, I mean, the fullbacks are the easy area to press because you can more easily cut them off by using the sideline as sort of an extra defender. Yep. And goalkeepers generally are more technically limited, so they are easy to press with. You can force the first pack pass backwards to the keeper you can then cut off the keeper's access to his defense and force him to go along um but essentially we press wherever the ball is um because we want it to be played now yep and i guess that makes sense as well you know when you force teams to to play the long ball you're you're sort of banking on their strikers to to constantly win those area duels with your defenders you know someone like like yen vertonghen even though he's not the tallest or, or, or the strongest player in in defense but really really good in you know trying to mark out space and then try to make it difficult for strikers to win those area balls and especially now that you've added someone like davidson sanchez also really good in those area duels i believe definitely one of the the better tactics for you guys to rely on but you know apart from pressing which i think is you know a bit overstated when you talk about Pochettino do you think there's any other run of the mill play styles or set of tactics for Pochettino at least so far this season i mean with all the virus injury with Harry Wings emergence into the side recently you know, along with the return of players like Dembele and Wanyama into the side as well i'm sure there are you know perhaps some some uh, you could say a set of tactics that, that Pochettino looks to deploy from week to week well, I mean, our, our our two sort of key tactical stylisms are first the pressing, and secondly a um, a positional play um, possession model that is based on dividing the pitch up um, into sort of five lanes um, uh, and really drilling and automating our movements um, so that it's not improvisational but it's it's prepared. And I guess when it comes to Especially when it comes to attacking sequences, you can say. I think it seems like Pochettino doesn't really deploy uh, out and out wingers too often. You know, maybe sometimes when you have Lamela, you may require or I should say instruct him to play more like an out and out winger. But when when you look at especially the last two or three weeks, I think it's been mainly Hyung Min Sun and and Christian Eriksen playing in that half space rather than playing on on the on the touchline, right? And it's more like your your fullbacks pushing up to, to be a bit more aggressive to provide that width to sort of stretch out the defense a little bit to give maybe Harry Kane some time on the ball maybe to uh you know maybe to try to expose some gaps for someone like Dele Ali to run into or Hyung Min Sun to to maybe take advantage of. Do you think that's perhaps the case? Yeah, definitely. I um because of, of Pochino's uh tactical beliefs on, on the best optimization of space, he's been very much in favour of using the fullbacks and then later wing backs for pace and width. Um and that definitely works. Oh, it definitely worked when it was Rosen Walker. Um and it works uh, fairly well. Now it's a Rose who is out of favour and Sergioria who's come in uh, and taken a while to settle. The problem is that our understudy fullbacks are Davies and Trippier, who are good fullbacks in their own right and have their own strengths, but they don't have the athleticism and they don't have the um, dribbling skills to provide the width and provide the pace. And that is why we've brought in Lucas Mora um, in January to be our winger, so that, w- but mainly for when we move away from a three at the back to a four at the back, which is what we've played most of this season for injuries, um, we can have that that winger. Um, and this season, Sun's been playing the winger role, and he's not exactly bad at it. But he is better in more central areas. He's better when he can get close to the goal because he's uh, an incredible finisher. And Lucas Mora, um, he's absolutely rapid, so he will give us that width that we've we've missed on occasion. 
yeah, it seems like when it comes to, to providing width and having that natural wide player, it, it's pretty much down to your, your wing backs or full backs, depending on the formation. And now, especially with Lucas Mora coming in January, I think that's sort of like your, your main attacking outlet on, on wide areas. And also, I think one thing that I like to explore a little bit since we are, uh, since we are at the topic of, you know, talking about three at the back and then moving into four at the back, I think, you guys only really deployed the four at the back in like what the last two months or so and then prior to that it's been pretty much three at the back more like a, a three five two at times you could say but you know do you think that the change was solely because of Alderweireld's injury or do you think uh four at the back seems to suit the the, the current needs of the team and especially with yeah again especially down to to Alderweireld's injury do you think that's probably the the main catalyst for it I definitely think um, Adavera's injury is the main thing, and and in combination with Wanyama, which means that Dyer is needed to play in defensive midfield because Wanyama's out, and if Dyer is in defensive midfield, then he can't play at centre back. Um, but there are other circumstances as well, such as Sun's incredible form this season, and you don't want to drop Delhi or Ericsson because of what brilliant plays they are. Mm-hmm. So that sort of suits having three attacking midfielders on the pitch. There are um external circumstances, but but I definitely think um the injuries to Adverald and Wanyama have been the main reasons. Yeah, and I think it's also really interesting that when you have when you play in that three five two sort of formation, it seems like at times or should I say most of the time you probably have Harry Wings as that more like a metronome type of player, the number six you could say. You know, pretty similar to what Fernandinho does for City, and then just ahead of him or, or probably flanking him is is something like Christian Eriksen and Dele Ali or maybe Musa Sissoko. Sometimes, if I had to guess, that sort of re- resembles a little bit like 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 how City lines up their midfield as well, don't you think? You know, with with them going with Fernandinho deepest and then Kevin De Bruyne and and David Silva just a bit above Fernandinho. It's pretty similar to having Harry Wings just below someone like like uh Eriksen and and Dele Ali just above him. Well, we tend to go with a midfield two. So we have um, two, uh, one of Wanyama or Dyer, and then one of Dembele or Winks. Uh, when we can play those, occasionally there's too many injuries and we have to play Sissoko in midfield, which isn't um, ideal. Yep. Um, we we did experiment uh, early last season with a 4-1-4-1 that's a bit like Sissi's with just Wanyama. Um, but there are issues with that. I don't think that got the best out of Deli and Eriksen. But there are general playstyle similarities between City and Spurs if you want to go down that road. Yeah, for sure. I, I think when it comes to City and Spurs, pretty similar, uh, you can say, philosophies or, or, or mindset, you know, trying to win the ball back as soon as you can. And I think in general, uh, you know, that's really good pressing, uh, pressing setups in, in midfield areas compared to like with Jurgen Klopp, you know, just, just pressing high up the pitch. But I think I want to get a little bit more into this uh, Spurs squad because I think it's been one, it's one of the more interesting squads in the league. You know, one of the most tech defenses in the league, even especially with additions like like Aurier coming in and and Davinson Sanchez definitely adding that bit of of quality into the side. You know, pre, and you guys pretty much kept your core attacking options in Eriksen, Min San, and Deli Ali. You know, having Eric Lamela back in the side as well more regularly, I think that's been pretty good for you guys. I think the the main difference is probably. Uh, exchanging out uh, Vincent Janssen and, and replacing him with Fernando Lorente, most likely for the short term only. And again, bringing up Harry Wings, you know, breakthrough season this time. I think as a whole, plenty of depth at a, at, at first glance, but you know, you, you yourself as a Tottenham fan, do you think there are any areas or, or skill sets that are missing so far in your side currently? Uh, and I know you, you already mentioned about Lucas Mora coming in, adding that bit of a, a pacey winger or, or, or a dribbling winger sort of a, a skill set into the side. But do you think there are any areas or skill sets that are missing? Maybe you can run through them one by one. 
Well, I mean, you mentioned Lorente, um, and obviously he was key in winning the last-minute penalty, um, and that's an example of what he was brought in for, but it's not something he's delivered on a lot. So um, although he did look brilliant coming on just then, um, it's not been a brilliant season for him, and obviously he's pretty old. So I think that that is an area where we will be looking to upgrade. It's been a very difficult one trying to find depth um, for Harry Kane, uh, partly because of his own brilliance and there aren't many minutes available um, and good strikers know that they don't want to come to Tottenham because they know that they're not going to get any game time because that you can't usurp Harry Kane. Um, so that's a challenge. Um, the other areas are that Dembele, who is is brilliant and did play quite well against did play well against Liverpool, yep. um, is is aging, is fading, uh, is struggling for. for to, to string sort of several games together uh, and maintaining fitness throughout that. Um, so we are looking for um, sort of a younger version of him. The ideal player would be a 20-year-old Moussa Dembele. That'd be incredible, but obviously um, mm-hmm. that's not going to appear. So we, we should be hopefully looking for a, a player in his ilk. And the final question is on Lamella. Uh, Lamella's come back from a lengthy injury and in that time he had some personal issues, which I'll go into. Um, but the question is, is he able to return to his best? Is he happy with a squad role? Is he settled? Um, and if not, then we need to find depth for Ericsson. Yeah, and I think, you know, I'll just break that down one by one. So, Harry Kane being brilliant, that's, a, that's, that's actually a really brilliant point, to be fair, you know. Even when you have a striker as good as Kane, and, and you know, he really only operates really well when he's sort of like that lone striker with, with white players sort of playing off his shoulder it's really hard to find someone who's willing to be back up to him unless you can find someone who's really old or, or you know, maybe in his twilight years, you know, really willing to come on as that as that off-the-bench options. Lorente seems to be the perfect fit. You know, when you compare that to maybe like a like a Chelsea, for example, you know, with Moratas being their first choice of, and their second choice being Eden Hazard as that false nine type of player, really hard to find someone to, who can slot in really well. And I think now that they've added uh, Olivier Giroud, probably able to, to free up Eden Hazard into other roles a little bit more. But yeah, you know, I when, when you talk about Musa Dembele, I, I think it's really hard. Again, very, very unique skill set there, right? So he's, he, I, I think on, on the outlook, he's really more like a box-to-box player. But when you really watch him and, and really see what he brings to the table, especially for you guys, especially when you guys don't start Harry Wings, I think he brings something else to the table. He, he's sort of like a number six without being really a number six, if that makes sense. So I think that's pretty hard to... To replace, I think I've seen you tweet about Mario Lemina for the so many times now, for the longest time now. Do you really yeah. think he'll he'll be ideal to to replace someone like Musa Dembele, or do you think there is uh you know other options out there that you may probably look to ponder for future windows? Uh, so I recently uh put together a series of articles looking at how Spurs can replace Dembele, and I ranked Lemina as the second best option. Um. There's a lot of playstyle similarities between uh, Lamina and Dembele. He's also got some some holes in his game um, positionally, but those are things that can be worked on. So I definitely think that he he should definitely be uh, a considered option. I would also point to um, Seri of Nice, mm. um, uh, who is more of a passer, more like Harry Winks, and 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 less of a a dribble based player like Dembele is, but still incredible with the ball at his feet. Um, and I also pointed out Godfred Doncer in uh, Serie A. So there, there's a few options out there. Um, Lamina, I'm very keen on. Um, it's a matter of 
seeing what Southampton wants from him, I guess. Yeah, and I, I think when you mentioned about Dembele being more of a dribble first sort of player rather than a, a passer from the back, it reminds me a little bit of, of Nabi Keita, and I think if you guys were to actually land Nabi Keita in the summer rather than us, I think that would be a perfect Dembele replacement for you guys. So <laughs> I, I think that's really interesting to, to know. And I think with Lamela, definitely a, a big question mark there. You know, he, as you said, just came back from a lengthy injury and, and you know some personal issues here and there. You know, that, that the big question mark is whether he can find his best form yet again, and and how much is he willing to to contribute to the side, and if his minutes get reduced, or 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 if they are considerably low, does he look to to play elsewhere to find the minutes? Well, that thing, and there were there were rumors on um uh, transfer deadline day uh, just the other day um that that he might go out on loan, that he might be sold all of a sudden, which was which was a bit out of the blue for Spurs fans, but I guess also kind of makes sense given. Um, his journey over the last sort of 18 months. Um, you mentioned Nabi Keita. He came up um, when I was looking um, at Dembele replacements, but he's obviously unavailable. Um, and he would he would have been incredible. He's much more direct and frantic, but um, I think that's something that could be curved. Um, but as a player, he's incredible, and you will be very lucky to have him. He's a, mm. an incredible player. Yeah, I, you know, definitely very happy to to have him coming in the summer. I think that solves a number of uh, the problems that Liverpool have in in midfield areas, but yeah, you know, I, I think uh, another thing that I'd like to maybe discuss is perhaps your left-back options. I mean, currently, uh, Ben Davies is, is, is playing straight there, but, you know, long-term, maybe you'll be looking for a replacement to Danny Rose, perhaps, if, if he continues to be uh, injured for the long-term, and, and I don't think you guys would really want to use Ian Vertonghen at, at left-back again, right? You know, probably, as he gets older, left-centre-back is probably his best position, so do you think a backup left-back would be uh, a pretty good idea for the summer. Yeah, I mean, so so before the start of the season, Rose went to the Sun, um, which Liverpool fans know better than anyone what an awful newspaper that is yep. to go to for anything, um, and uh, and complained about various different things about Spurs not spending, and it was a very immature thing to do. And I think that his relationship with Pochettino, certainly his relationship with Spurs fans, has been very. Um, much harmed by uh, that interview and then he's been injured a lot of the season as well so it, he may well be on the way out in the summer in which case I think Ryan Sessegnon of Fulham mm. would make a lot of sense to be his replacement Ben Davies is a very good backup but he should never be more than a backup but yeah you know definitely need uh, another left back to come in again Ryan Sessegnon very very good player right for his age so definitely a good pick up there and I think now is a good time to talk about Lucas Mora because uh, or at least a little bit more in depth, because when you look at your 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 summer departures, you know Clinton and Jay more like a center forward sometimes, but he can play out wide. I believe didn't really work out at Spurs, so he was sold this uh last summer. And Kudu as well probably loaned out because somehow couldn't fit into the system. Uh, again, we can go back to Lamela not not being a, a regular so far. Do you think Lucas Moura will definitely make it? And what part of his game do you think would really really benefit? Uh. Uh, Pochettino and Spurs and how do you guys even integrate him in considering that basically the three attacking midfielders behind Kane is sort of set there well yeah I mean it's difficult it's going to be very difficult for him to break the first eleven, and to be honest I don't see him doing it um, because we uh, our three attacking midfielders as you say are um, Deli Eriksson and Son yep. and a lot of the time we're going to be looking to return to a three at the back where there's only two attacking midfielders so it's it's difficult for him to to earn his place, but that competition can be a very positive thing and getting the best out of multiple players. 
um, what what he does is give an alternate option and a different way of doing things with his um, rapid speed um, and his ability to just ghost past players. Um, <clears throat> uh, he also offers some positional versatility, although I think he would probably be spending most of his time out on the right uh, as a right-footed winger, mm-hmm. um, providing crosses and cutbacks. And I think, you know, definitely adding a lot of, uh, you can say, dynamism to the wide areas because now it's pretty much Ericsson or, or Hyomin San, uh, you know, moving into the half space, uh, having one of the fullbacks or wingbacks to, to push up and, and occupy the wings, you know, try to have some, some inter, uh, in, interchange of passes here and there before the, before passing out to one of your fullbacks to make the cross in. I think having someone who's naturally a, a really good wide player who is fast and can dribble pass and, and, and beat his man one on one pretty consistently, that would be, uh, I, I guess, a bit of a change of a pace for, for Pochettino and especially for your team. But, you know, I, I think we've, we've talked a lot about uh, Tottenham and, and what have you missing and things like that. But just to make some comparisons to Liverpool so that we can may- maybe see what we can learn from, maybe see what we ourselves are missing a little bit. So I'll, I'll just kickstart things with the centre-back option. So I, I believe you guys already let go of one or two defenders last summer. I believe Kevin Wimmer left and one more which is escaping my mind. I think it might be an Argentinian centre-back. Uh, yeah, Federico Fazio. Fazio, yes, that's the one. So you guys let go of two centre-backs, but you guys brought in, of course, Davinson Sanchez, up-and-coming defender from AX as well. So definitely very, very good. Uh, you can say understanding there, already coming up uh, and, and learning the philosophies from... Uh, from AX, and I believe you guys added another another centre back, uh, Yuan Foyf, definitely very young, maybe not experienced enough to really fill in the gaps, but can can be used here and there as a squad filler. I think for us, we just added Virgil Van Dijk, so already adding a really really good centre back to to our ranks alongside Joe Matip, who is pretty decent to good, alongside someone like Dejan Lovren, who is pretty okay to really bad to really good, you know, pretty much flipping the coin every time <laughs> we play him. And, uh, you know, uh, Ragnar Kalavan so far being very, very consistent for us so far and having Joe Gomez, you know, alternating between right back and centre back. So I, I think in terms of comparisons, when we talk about the Spurs and Liverpool having pretty good options at centre back, you can probably agree that, you know, there are some similarities there. I mean, yeah, I mean, Spurs fans feel that we have, you know, <laughs> three of the three best centre backs in the league mm. because um, they've just been incredible. Um, and I do think they are individually very good players, but there's there's a system at strength there um, and working combination. Whereas in Liverpool's case, um, it it would definitely be claims that Liverpool system can occasionally hang hang out their centre backs to dry. Um, and the question is, can you simply solve that issue by bringing in such quality as Matip and and Van Dijk and yeah, so far, maybe. We'll, we'll see. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Yep, you know, I, I think now it's still an experiment, so we'll, we'll just see how things go. I don't want to say anything too much. I don't want to jinx us or, or anything like that sure. by being too positive. <laughs> but for you guys, especially yesterday, it seems like um when when you... I, I guess when you're not playing a, a Harry Wings, for example, or if Eric Dyer has a bad game overall, like yesterday, you can say that Eric Dyer was pretty iffy in terms of some of his plays there. It can expose someone like Davison Sanchez when you guys play a four at the back rather than a three at the back, where Davison Sanchez being in that center might be a little bit more protected, you could say. So I think moving forward, do you think Sanchez will, will need a little bit more protection or, or, or do you think he's good enough to really hold his ground and maybe yesterday, especially tussling with, 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 uh, Firmino and, and Mane probably caught him off guard a little bit? Yeah, I mean, that's the only time we've really seen him struggle and those are very, very difficult circumstances to play in. Um, 
So, but we know that he has sort of maybe a bit of a limitation there, but his upside is huge. Uh, so it's it's very promising for him. Really, really read him since his AX days. Can't read him enough. So you you know you guys got a gem there. But moving on, I I think another comparison we can make is that. Liverpool have a lot of versatile midfielders, so with Emery Chan, Henderson, Milner, Gini Wijnaldum, all really seen more like box-to-box players, but are, are I guess, sorted into different roles. And then we have uh, Oxlade Chamberlain, typically a wide player, but recently trying to integrate him into into centre midfield. But, you know, when you look overall, very, very versatile box-to-box type players. And I think the small overlap here with Spurs is that, you know, Dembele is a little bit box-to-box, but again, Dembele is a bit more unique than just being a box-to-box player. You can say maybe Dele Ali is a box-to-box player, but again, in Pochettino's system, not really uh, an out-and-out box-to-box player per se. I, I I think you guys have also very specialized players like Harry Wings, you know, just really good at being that as in, in that number six role and, and not much else. So do you think that that holds true as well? Yeah, definitely. It's definitely a case of specialists in, in the Tottenham midfield in that we have two number sixes, which are Wanyama and Dyer, and they have their differences in that Dyer is a better passer, mm-hmm. Wanyama's um, a better dribbler. And then we have our two number eights, which are Weeks and Dembele, and and Dembele is the ultimate specialist because his passing is so limited. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's still such an incredible player, um, with his counter pressing, with his ability to retain the ball under pressure, and and Weeks is more of a general um sort of deep playmaker. Um, and yeah, I don't think it would be unfair to describe every single one of Liverpool's midfielders as a box box player. Yeah, which sort of summarizes the the frantic playstyle. Mm-hmm. And especially, I think the the only real box to box player, as I said, for Spurs is. Maybe Musa Sissoko, but again, even then, you know, there are times where I believe Pochettino has deployed him in wide areas and things like that. So, yep. not really very versatile, uh, you can, you can say, uh, tactically flexible sort of players, but if you put them in very specific areas or very specific positions and play in very specific roles, then they can definitely do really, really well for you guys. But I think the last comparison that I have off the top of my head is Liverpool having Firmino and Spurs having Harry Kane. So, in the first team, they both suit the style perfectly for you guys. But when you look past these two players, not much uh, quality there in backup. You know, we touched on Fernando Llorente a little bit for you guys. But for Liverpool, especially now that Daniel Sturridge has gone to West Brom on loan, we are basically stuck with Danny Ings or Dominic Solanke as that backup striking option. So I can sort of understand the struggle there. You know, when, when Harry Kane goes out injured, then feeling that role may be a bit difficult. You guys can probably go with Min Sun in the middle, but again, that's taking away his, his best traits, which is, you know, coming in from the left side. And when when we replace Firmino with anyone else, it seems like we changed our style a little bit too much. Any thoughts on this as well? Yeah, I mean, for Spurs, it's sort of a general recruitment issue in that, as I mentioned before, it's hard to find a good striker who's also um, able to accept that he's going to spend most of his time on the bench. Um, and how that can affect the development of young players and the frustrations that can cause. Um, but yeah, the, the, what the more assigning does maybe is, is free Sun up to be more of a Harry Kane backup. And maybe that solves the problem there. Whereas I think in Liverpool's case, it's that it's such a specialist role. It's such a unique role that it's not really one that can be played by a striker. You essentially want, um, a number 10, uh, in there. And that's what Firmino, it wouldn't be unfair to call him. Yeah, and I think, you know, when I'm trying to think of options or, or alternatives to Firmino in the market, when you look at false nines across Europe, I don't, I, I think those are very few and far between, right? So maybe you can say, uh, Adrian Mertens from, from Napoli could be a target. You know, Paolo Dybala could be a target, but 
obviously very very unrealistic so very difficult for Liverpool to try and find that backup striker to Firmino but for you guys I can understand you know even if you guys find the perfect striker it's really really hard to displace Harry Kane in the side so definitely a, a, a bit of a struggle there for you guys to, to find that, that perfect player who is good enough to come off the bench or to start certain games and, 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 and you know not see that dip in quality but at the same time it's willing to take the back seat to Harry Kane so integrating some of these players into, into your side seems to be a bit more difficult since everyone is more or less established in their certain roles and if they don't suit that or, or should I say if they don't have certain skill sets that suit that particular role then it's really, really hard for Positino to really sort them in. So I think, yeah, I think with that, do you think you have any final words on, uh, you know, maybe how Spurs will progress moving forward? And, and do you think uh, you guys are able to catch up to us in, in the top four spots? Do you think the, the, the final spot in top four will go to Liverpool, to you guys, Spurs? Or do you think Arsenal, especially now with Aubameyang and Tarian coming in, do you think they are sort of like the dark horses to slowly creep up into that fourth spot? Uh, I mean, I've, I've said, all season that there's very little between second and sixth and I think that still holds true mm. maybe Arsenal are going to drop off or maybe they have started to drop off but maybe that will turn around with the players they brought in uh, in January um, but I think it's all very much up in the air I think Spurs are slowly climbing um, and I'm <laughs> hoping for a, a big Man United drop off I think I, I think I think the current second to sixth could be um, could be the total reverse order of what it is now um, or or any other possible combination, so it'll be interesting. I I I do fancy Spurs to to finish sort of top three, but we'll see. Yeah, and I think with Lucas Moura coming in as well, probably providing a bit more depth into the side and probably giving that that off the bench option, I think that'll be really really good for you guys. And I think a lot about uh, I guess a lot of the talk about who finishes in top four also relies on the Champions League as well as the FA Cup. So Liverpool don't really have to worry about the FA Cup anymore since we are knocked out of it. But Champions League depends on how deep of a run we make. I think that could potentially affect us. But I, I don't foresee us really struggling too much in, in, in rotating players here and there. But you know, maybe for, for you guys, that could be a bit of a problem. You know, who knows moving forward. But you know, with that said, any final final words before we head off? Uh, they were definitely both penalties. <laughs> that was, that, that's really cheeky. Come on. It's, the wound is yeah. still fresh, Nate. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Nate, thank you so much for coming on to share your thoughts and insight about the Spurs team and, you know, definitely giving a bit of your thoughts on, on Liverpool as well. You know, definitely discussing some of the intricacies of, of, about what's going on at Spurs and how Pochettino looks to deploy his side and, and some of the tactics being set up. Not something that Liverpool fans will, will hear of or read of on a daily basis. So good to have your thoughts. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, anything that I'd like to plug or give a shout out to before we head off? Uh, I am at Nathan A. Clark on Twitter where you can find all of my content there. Thank you for having me on, mate. For sure. Really, really happy to have you on. And to you listeners, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Entry Index Talking Tactics Podcast. I'm your host, Leroy Ma, and we'll see you next time. Network.